there are plastic bits in each and everybody. We, we eat the, the plastic through the fish, as you said, and through salt. The salt that comes from the sea also has microplastic and nanoplastic in it. This is The Butterfly Effect, a podcast that shows the big impact a small action can do. Tali Urat is talking to those special people that make a difference with nature and trees. Welcome everyone to The Butterfly Effect. My name is Tali Orad, I'm your host and your butterfly here. My special guest today is Maya Jacobs. Maya is the CEO of Zalul Environmental Association, one of Israel's leading environmental NGOs dedicated to marine preservations, focusing on eliminating pollution from the Mediterranean and Red Seas, from Israel's streams and rivers and water preservations. She has over 20 years of experience in media strategies and influencing public opinion and has been dedicating these abilities for the environment in the past 10 years. During her time in Salul, Maya led the organization to many achievements, and today she is in a very unique position, in which she leads the biggest environmental campaigns and struggles on one hand, while initiating and le- leading many collaborations on the other. Welcome, Maya, to The Butterfly Effect. Hi, thanks for having me. What a wonderful name you have for your podcast. <laughs> Thank you. So as the CEO of Salul, by the way, Salul in Hebrew means clear. Mm-hmm, exactly. So it's usually my first sentence in every English interview. Can you tell us what the organization is doing and what are its goals? Salul, as it names, work for, works for clear water and, and seas and streams, as you said. That is the initial goal. So we work to preserve the coral reefs of Elat, of the northern Red Sea and the coast of the Mediterranean Sea. Mm-hmm. And through the years, as you said, we've become such a leading organization. So today our main campaigns include preventing massive offshore drilling for gas and oil that are being expanded along the, our coast mm-hmm. and uh, preventing a huge massive oil deal between Israel and the, and the United Emirates that will lead huge oil vessels, like 25,000 tons of oil to Elat on the verge of the coral, coral reservoir. Elat is the, is the southest uh, city in Israel and it's a tourism city. So no, no place in the world do you have a tourist riviera and corals, rare corals in with, along with oil. So it's crazy. So that is something that we're trying to prevent. And along with that, we do a lot of public education, mostly on personal behavior on plastics. We try to to prevent single-use plastic and uh, we do a lot of work around that. And we do a lot of work around uh, changing habits also in food consumption and basically general awareness on climate change and the many, many things that you need and still can do to change it in your behavior, in your business, in, uh, you know, potential uh, entrepreneurship, many, many things that we do. We're a small group, but we've managed to do a lot of things. And it's really an exceptional time because so many things are happening at once. Yeah, that sounds amazing. Maybe we can start with plastic. Mm-hmm. There are some ocean plastic facts and, and I'd like to share, get your thoughts on. Just so people know, every day around 8 million pieces of plastic make their way into our oceans. And million tons, not pieces. A million tons, wow. Yeah, much, much more, yes. Yes, yes. And the world produces 3 
181 million tons of plastic waste a year. Mm-hmm. And this will be double by 2034. And the estimate was that by 2020, the number of plastic in the sea will be higher than the number of fish. We're almost a year after that. So is that really the case? Do we really have more plastic than fish now? No, the estimation was that by 2050, there will be more plastic at sea than, than uh, fish. And the, the numbers are still growing, despite the fact that there, there are growing numbers of people that are aware and uh, big campaigns and big uh, policy change. Yes. You have legislation that prohibits use of single-use plastic and, and provides uh, solutions and alternatives. And still we see that the numbers are still very much growing. The consumption is growing. The use is growing. And these are things that we need to change because it also, it not only harms our sea and, and kills our animals, hundreds of thousands of, of animals die by suffocation mm-hmm. by plastic every year by, be, because they, they eat it, because they mistake it for food, and then you know they don't feel any hunger, so they actually die of hunger, or if they suffocate in it because they get tangled in it. That's horrible, and you know we have climate change, we have so many animals dying because of the weather changing and their, their, their world changing. And, uh, and then comes plastic and kills them also. By the way, one in, in three fish caught for human consumption contains plastic. So if we don't really care of, about the environment and, and we think it's a far away or a distant problem, we, we should consider our own health because at the end we eat that. The data is horrifying. Already today, there are plastic bits in each and everybody. We, we eat the, the plastic through the fish, as you said, and through salt. The salt that comes from the sea also has microplastic and nanoplastic in it. And some say that even in, in honey, we can find microplastic. And wow. some studies, very concerning studies, found that, first of all, they examined human feces. And each and every person, they found plastic in their, in their poo. And some had more than one type. And the most horrifying, horrifying findings that uh, I know of were of uh, nanoplastic being found in, in breast milk, in mother's milk for their baby, oh for, ba- for babies, and in uh, the womb, also surrounding our babies while they're still being made. It was a blessing to begin with. It was actually one of the biggest blessings for women because in the 1950s, plastic was introduced as part of the way to free women from uh, kitchen chores and from washing dishes at home. And it was part of the women liberation. The plastic to itself is not only the problem, it's, it's a problem to, because it's connected with the oil and it doesn't go anywhere and it doesn't really, you know, it only breaks down to small micro and nanoplastic particles. Mm-hmm. So all the, all the disposable items are problematic and the plastic is the most problematic. And we do a lot of work, first of all, to help uh, these types of startups that pr- that are inventing new types of materials that we could use instead of the plastic. And we are helping to promote here in Israel um, best available technologies for the best types of uh, recycling. Mm-hmm. But also we are, we're helping solutions that reuse uh, dishes again and again and re- reuse items again and again mm-hmm. instead of throwing them away because we live in a throwaway community these days. Yeah. Everything is it's disposable. disposable. Yeah. 
on the one hand, we want to lower the prices of life because everything is so expensive, but then we don't need to buy so much. All our economies are being built on our consumption. Our consumption is killing us. So a new model of circular economy that would create more use of, of these the same items that already exist instead of buying more and more new items from Earth resources that are running out. Mm-hmm. So it's very, very important to uh, preserve whatever we can and to use as little as we can. And buying less things and reusing things instead of throwing them away, also disposable items, mm-hmm. can we save money. So it's another good impact that we have by not using disposable plastics. What a long answer for a short question. <laughs> <laughs> But no, I, I love it because you gave uh, our listeners uh, tips on what they can do. And it's obviously try to consume less yes. and use reusable items. And, of course, try to avoid plastic as much as you can. So reuse yeah. reusable bags, um, other material, last. There's a whole trend now of, of paper straws instead of the plastic straws. Mm-hmm. But some of them have very problematic glue inside that is hazardous for our, for our health. Some, I don't know, you know, there's so many types. Right. But what, what is concerning us now is the whole issue of greenwash. Greenwash is that somebody claims that something is environmental, even if it's not necessarily so. And they're doing a whole branding issue and a whole uh, marketing deal by saying that it's environmental and it's safe, even if it's not necessarily so. And, and people need to be aware and they need to wear their environmental glasses and, and be aware of what they use and what they do at any type of uh, human behavior. So how can they tell? I mean, I wouldn't obviously know. I will go to a store and I'll see some label of this is green and I'll see bamboo and it's great. Now I'm helping the environment. So what should I look for? You should look for dishes that you don't throw away, first of all. Mm-hmm. You can buy, for instance, thicker plastic items. We're not, we're not you know, against plastic as a material item. If you use it for like a thousand uses, so right. it justifies itself and then you throw it to proper waste management instead of just to the garbage. But mm-hmm. if you rewash the plastic again and again, then you know it's a strong and safe material, but you need to wash it again and again. So if you go to the store, you should whatever type of uh, item that you're looking for that would be reusable and not disposable. If you okay. must have a reusable, then you should prefer paper. Or something that could be that could be recycled easily because recycling if you just throw it into a regular bin then it won't compost there it needs to be in specific as I said temperatures and, and humidity right so it's a whole issue there too so if if not if I'm looking for a single use look for something that can be compostable yes just use your common sense Now, you mentioned other projects that Zaluli is involved with. One of them is oil drilling. Mm-hmm. And back in May, the Court of Hague ruled that Royal Dutch Shell, Europe's largest oil company, must accelerate its effort to reduce carbon dioxide emission to tackle climate change. What do you think about that? I think it's a historic event. And it's the beginning, hopefully, of uh, more and more... events that uh, will change the world. 
on the same day, we had a few very important events actually, because um, there was this, this court ruling and there was also uh, a group of investors that uh, managed to infiltrate, they, they bought, they bought stock for uh, ExxonMobil and they managed to change from within the company policy and to start affecting the company policy to be more focused on climate change and to change the business model. And this is the way to affect, and this is also something that we try and do. We in Israel, we established a clean money forum, it's called. It's a collaboration between environmental NGOs and, and various uh, social activists. And we put a lot of pressure on banks and on financing um, organizations to stop financing fossil fuels. And we're saying, don't do this with the mo our money because it does not make sense that our savings that are supposed to serve us when we are old are being invested into things that will take away our old days because we won't reach old days if the world continues to deteriorate and it will continue to, to, to deteriorate as long as they keep on using so much fossil fuels. Mm -hmm. So it's a whole cycle that needs to be changed. People from the fossil fuel industry really, some of them at least, don't understand. Some of them like are in total uh, denial. They don't care about the damage that we do. We've seen many researches on the fact that fossil fuel companies, the big ones like Shell and, and Chevron and others, supposedly knew about the fact that they were damaging climate, they were damaging earth, and they didn't make this information available to the public, and they lied about it when they were asked about it. This is horrible. And now, suddenly, they can't do that anymore. And people write us, and they say, what do you want? And this is this is what we do, and, and we're going to sit in, in the dark because of you, and we're going to go back to a wagon. We're not against modern life. We don't want to go back to sitting in the dark either. We, we, you know, also with solar energy, we can do it with renewable energies of many types. And we need to invest all the hundreds of billions of dollars that they're still planning on investing into oil now to mm -hmm. stop using that immediately and to say, okay, we understand that the, the time has changed and it's true that we could still have used whatever, you know, whatever amounts that we still have, then we could have made more money here. It's true. But we understand the responsibility. We understand where the world is going to. And we will stop it now because we want the better of humankind. And now we're going to promote with all the huge sums of money that we have, we're going to promote solutions for renewable energy. Just imagine what an amazing shift that could be. So if we have such uh, rulings like the court in the head and mm -hmm. that they said that they need to bring down their emissions, they need to start doing that. They need to start implementing change in order to do that. If we have people like activists, environmental activists, suddenly becoming part of the board members of energy companies, this is the way to impact it. If they don't understand it in good, they will understand it by force, by like this. But I do think that already today, and we do see it also in Israel, big companies are saying, okay, we hear the public, we understand. Right. And you mentioned that you are um, promoting other alternative green energy solutions. Mm -hmm. Can you share some of them? We work mostly with solar energy because here in Israel, we are basically located in a very important geographical area, which is the connection between Europe and Africa. We have millions of birds migrating from Africa and Europe back and forth between the seasons because they, they go to winter in Africa and they go back to Europe 
during summer, if we have wind turbines here, we kill them. And, and right. we, have, we see already many, many birds of many types being affected by these wind turbines. So for us, it's not the best available technology. For Israel, Israel is like the internal sunshine state. Most of the days here are sunny. Even if it's cold, it's sunny outside. Experts say that already today you can do dual use. So you would use the sun during the majority of, of the day and the majority of the year. And you use the gas only for the night when the consumption is less. And during winter time, which is very short here, and this way we will use much less gas. You must understand the gas is not a green energy, despite the fact that it was marketed as natural gas, as they call it. That's a very wise uh, marketing step by the gas companies, the, the oil companies, but oil is also natural and so is coal. And so they call it natural gas but they should have called it methane gas because the majority of, of gas is methane. And methane is a very dangerous type of uh, gas for, for the atmosphere. It's much more dangerous than CO2. We're already at the deadline. You know, it might be five years, it might be 10 years, but they're going to stop drilling for oil because the world will not allow that anymore. So instead of you know, trying to squeeze the lemon to the lemon to the last drop. Now is the time to stop, prevent all this pollution, prevent all these disasters that are just waiting to happen. Instead, do the right thing. You'll be one of the leaders because the world is going there anyway, because it's, you know, it's unpreventable. That's where the world is going. So be one of the first right. to do the good things, not do the bad things last. Yeah. And it's very difficult to make that change, but that's where we're going. And that's what we're going to do. When I am in Israel, I do see solar panels. I do see them uh, at the rooftops where people use them to boil their water. And I would expect it to be more common and surprised that it is not. Since, since the establishment, almost, I think, of the state, it's a very, very popular view here to see on all rooftops that you have boiler tanks that collect water in order to heat water and you use hot water from in your shower from the sun. So that is a very common view here in Israel. But the solar panels are not. And there need it needs to be like, you know, a trend or a fashion to begin with. But mostly you need to have financial incentives that will push you forward to doing it and make it uh worth your time and your money and your effort to do it on your mm -hmm. on your roof if you don't think it's necessarily beautiful. And that's something that we're lacking here. Israel is, it wants 70% of its energy in the next, I don't know, 10, 20, 50 years to be on gas still, and only 30% on renewable energy. And it's not doing enough. The, the ratio should be opposite. It should be 30% gas as an intermission type of energy until we can be 100% renewable. And what we would want is for our peace with our new friends in the Arab world to become a message of peace and, and, and saving the world together from, you know, the big bag, the big bad oil instead, mm -hmm. uh, and, and to bring the prosperity and Israel is considered the startup nation. So together we can bring like the best possibilities for re renewable energy. And we're not doing that. And that is very disappointing. Another project Zalul is tackling is preserving the coral reef, as you mentioned, in, in mm -hmm. the Red Sea. 
at the most southern city in Israel, Eilat. What else can you tell us about it? The corals of the Northern Red Sea are considered very unique because they have immune system in their genes that makes them resilient to climate change. So when we see all over the world, the corals are bleaching and becoming white and dying, here it doesn't happen. And the coral reefs are the forests of the under, underwater world. They are the home for so many types of animals and corals, of course. And, and once they vanish, then the entire ecosystem that came around them also vanishes. And we must preserve the, the corals of the Northern Red Sea because they might be They might be the basis that would one day help revive corals other places in, in the world. Once we manage to stop climate deterioration or whatever, hopefully that will happen. Maybe we will be, be able to use the corals here for, for the good of the international community. But they will not survive oil. And, you know, you couldn't think of a most, more preposterous deal that, to bring so much oil to the most important coral reefs right. on Earth. It's crazy. So we are reaching out to coral lovers and to marine lovers all over the world. This is not only an Israeli problem. That is a problem in the Mediterranean, but there's also in the Red Sea, and there's also a problem in the Mediterranean Sea because the ships that are going to, to come to the Israeli coast to charge themselves with the amounts of oil in order to take it to Europe, once they are at coast and All the process of charging, of filling the oil into the vessel is more dangerous for an oil leak. And also, having so much offshore drilling for gas and oil in the Mediterranean without sufficient emergency preparedness, mm -hmm. it's also a disaster happening, waiting to happen. And we have so many people, millions of people around the Mediterranean Sea who are dependent on the sea for their lives, mostly for desalination. Because, you know, we're an area that is becoming a desert for, Egypt, for instance, in Egypt. So far, Egypt counted mostly on the Nile for water. But then it found itself in a conflict over water with Ethiopia because they built a huge dam up on the Nile on the Ethiopian side. And they stopped the water for, for the Nile in, in Egypt, which is the base of the water for such a huge nation like Egypt. And now Egypt is building 19 desalination plants along the Mediterranean Sea. Now, if there would be a massive oil spill in the Mediterranean Sea, not only for Israel, it would be horrific, but also, you know, we're a small area. And, and it's, it would affect Israel and Lebanon and Syria and Cyprus and Greece. And there should be a huge emergency, a crew for an international emergency crew that would give rapid response to whoever needs it. And nothing of this still exists. Mm -hmm. The world can't stand to see it become... A whole petrol, you know, polluting area because because yeah. it would affect everybody and, and it would create massive, massive numbers of of also uh, people that would start looking, you know, start walking, looking for a new place to live, and they would probably go to Europe. The richer world has has a big intense uh, should have a big incentive to help people stay in their homes and to live their lives. Nobody wants to become a refugee. Nobody wants to start looking for a new home. But if, right. our, if our water will be affected, if, our, if we won't be able to fish fish and, and drink from the water, and the sea also provides us so much oxygen. So, you know, if we don't have the minimum living conditions, then we need to, do, to move elsewhere, and there will become a huge 
bigger even problem of refugees. Yeah, migration due to climate change. I yeah. totally agree. What are the obstacles that you are facing in this process? Well, uh, there's so many. The first one, <laughs> the first one is, uh, I think, ignorance, because our main challenge is is tackling public public ignorance and ignorance by decision makers, and we see that people do things you know, very opposite of what they need to be doing or decisions being made or policy being, being made that needs to be completely opposite. And there needs to be a lot of PR, I don't know how to call it, to, to explain to people, to teach people. How General to people or everybody, change makers? Everybody, because the people affect the, the decision makers and, and the people... The people need to change their habits and they need to change the way they vote. They need to vote differently on the local uh, level and, and on the national level and to change the government and to change their municipalities and to make everybody promote more environmental regulations. And at the end of the day, even if it sounds frightening because it's many things that need to be changed, it will actually give us a much better place to live in no matter what, even if you know, even if they say at the end of the day, they will say climate change wasn't true and it was just a story. But at least we will reduce the, the pollution so everybody will be more healthy because so many people are, are sick now with sicknesses and diseases that are created because of the pollution. And if you treat the environment as preventing kind of, of medicine, then you enjoy both a clean environment and you save nature and you're safe, save yourself. So this is overwhelming when I think about it. If I think of me, right, a regular person thinking, oh my God, I cannot change everything. I have no control on um, the gas company or the drilling, or yes, I can vote and I voted, but it's, it's big and it's scary and it's out of my hands or my control. Which is not true. So what is the one thing or two, three things that I can do to make an impact? We're working from the local to the global. So the local starts with me, my, me, the person. What do I eat? Do I eat uh, food from livestock? Or if, if I'm a vegetarian or a vegan? I must say, for instance, that I'm not a vegan. Even more so, once I started talking with people of the fact that they need to stop Eating meat, it makes me want to eat meat. Hamburgers, <laughs> it's horrible. But what I do, you know, there's Meatless Monday with, that taught us everywhere, everywhere around the world to stop eating meat once a day, at least in this way to reduce consumption. So what once I do week. once a week, yeah. So what I do is I eat meat only once a week instead of all days. And then I say, okay, so once a week I can eat whatever I want and feel less bad about it. And it's very dramatic. It's a huge change and that, that is very, very important. We should basically have green spectacles on our eyes all the time. We call it 50 shades of gray. We should try and be as green as green, as, sorry, 50 shades of green. Green, yes. Yeah. <laughs> we should try and be as green as possible all the time and to be dark green. The dark greens are the ones who are vegan and they don't use any plastic. And they don't do anything that's bad for the environment. They don't, you know, they don't fly. They don't do this. They don't do that. So that would be like the extremists. But then along the line, you have 
various shades of green, you need, if of green, you always want to be as green as possible. It's like, what well, we need to save ourselves physically, we need to diet, we need to, to, you know, to take care of what we eat and we need to work out, we need to do sports. The same goes for the environment, for our, for our earth. We, we have two homes. We have planet earth and our body and we need to keep them both. So we do it from a personal to the local to the to the national and then to the international. So think of local versus international. Yeah. Um, get your groceries locally, get your um, walk locally wherever you can, do those things. So that's, that's enjoy the place cool. that you live and help it exist and, and and thrive. Yes. Now I I'm happy we switched to positive. Because that's the butterfly effect. But I have a little bit of a negative question. Okay. Which <laughs> you recently said in another interview that if things are not going to change in the next five years, you're going to say goodbye and take a tour of the world. Mm-hmm. Do you really mean it? Yeah. Listen, we're fighting against the biggest forces on earth. Okay? We're fighting the oil companies. We're fighting governments. This is not an easy thing to do. Scientists say that we have... 10 years, even less, until the deadline happens. Now, what is the deadline? The deadline means that it's, you know, it's not like a black hole that the world is going to stop surviving. It's not the case. But what's going to happen is that the, the temperature is going to change such that we won't be able to bring it down anymore. And then we will live in a world with no animals, unless they're in a zoo, with no insects. So you won't have butterflies and you won't have... Um, ladybugs, and you won't have so many wonderful types of insects that we have, and they're the ones that fertilize nature. So nature will also go down and deteriorate. So we'll have agriculture that is technical, but but you won't have you know fields. You you won't have the marvels of nature. It's just a very difficult world to live in. It will be a lot hotter, and there will be extreme storms and yeah storms and fires and everything that we already see now become more and more common and so what i said that if if you know the first five years are to to make the change happen the change means public awareness and, and policy awareness and policy change and investing the money and everything you need to do in order to start working in order to reach the deadline properly and to do the right thing but if mm-hmm. i see that within the five years we don't manage to do the right things, then I'm just going to take a bag and to walk the world to say goodbye from the world as it is because it's not going to continue to survive and it's going to be a whole different ball game. So I hope I'm not going to see those photos on Instagram. Um. I hope so. <laughs> I, I, I'm doing everything within my power to prevent it from happening. And, you know, it's, it's horrible to think about it, but I, I am optimistic, actually. I wouldn't have been working so hard on it and I am investing the majority, the vast majority of my time on many, many types of projects and creating communities and expanding the lines and investing into solutions and helping startup companies and helping, you know, I'm, I advise any type of, of professionals that want to be better environmentals. There's so many things. You said it's so big, so it's, so it's frustrating. And I agree, it could sound like that. But on the other hand, the good thing about it is that when it's such a big, big thing, then anybody can find something that's relevant for them to do differently and to help also create the change. That's where you see the hope. I see the hope in the people. I think that the people uh, who get it, once you understand the situation, 
then people, you know, work at it very, very determined to to stop catastrophe from happening. And right, once you see the more and more people join in, then it makes you very optimistic. And actually, uh, Rita Thornberg, what she did was mobilize the people and, and take people out of their numbness and into the streets. And mm-hmm. she became so depressed of the situation that she stopped eating. Mm-hmm. But what took her out of this depression was becoming an activist. And you can be an activist on many, many levels. You can be an activist that goes out to the streets and, and protests, but you can be also an activist in your community, in education, in change, in art, in music, and whatever you do, you can send out a message that teaches people to do differently, to live differently, to change values, to change the way we live and to promise ourselves an amazing world to live in. We're in a situation of go, no, go. If we go to the right direction now, we could still secure ourselves an amazing life, amazing future, even revive the nature, revive the, the animals that are being so much affected by by over human kindness, I would say, because it's in everything. It's the way we we hunt and the way we we build our cities with no regard to the the land that the animals also need to have place to live. All, if we do all the changes needed, then they can still live and we can live good lives for many years to come and to secure good lives for our children, for our grandchildren also. So what mo- motivates you to make all those changes? I grew up in, in Herzliya, in Tel Aviv. It's, in Herzliya, it's along the coast of, uh, of Israel. And the majority of my time, I was at the beach in high school. And, and I want my children to be able to have the same kind of future. And they want, I want them to be able to go with their grandchildren to the beach also. And, you know, and they won't if we don't do something now. And it's crazy to even think about it, but it's, that's the way, like, these are the things that are happening now because you have such craziness going on by government with the offshore drilling and with the plastic that is contaminating our seas and with everything that is going on here. So we need to stop this craziness now and we still can. I love that you mentioned the kids and showing the love and the future. And actually in one article that I read about you, the reporter defined you as not a tree hugger. Even though you're not a tree hugger, but a a person hugger, I will ask you, as I ask all my guests, what is your favorite tree? I love poinciana trees. I used to have an amazing tree like that outside my window. They're huge trees. They have either red or yellow flowers. I love trees with flowers. And the body, the trunk, is very, very uh, expressive. It has very strong presence. These are amazing trees. They give a lot of shade. And that's my favorite tree. <laughs> they look like art. Oh. <laughs> I love it. It reminds me, I don't know you much, only from what we just talked. And it reminded me of all the things that you're doing, uh, the, the massive and and the flowers, mm-hmm. which is the hope. And that massiveness and that big canopy of trying to help and do as much as you can. So I appreciate that. Thanks. I actually like that very much, this comparison. And I'm going to adopt the music even more and talk more <laughs> about this tree now. It was a good idea. 
Perfect. Yeah. Thank you so much, Maya, for sharing and for everything that you're doing for the environment. Thank Please you. don't stop. I, I, I won't. Thanks. It's, you know, and I, I invite everybody to join in. First of all, look us up in Salul. Salul is Z-A-L-U-L in, in English. And we're online and I'm on Facebook. And, you know, this is an international issue. And we have so many things that are relevant for everybody, no matter where you are in the world. And, and I invite you to join us and to create an amazing thing together here. Yes, thank you. Thank you. And thank you everyone for joining me today. We are all beautiful butterflies, each in his and her individual ways. I wanted to thank you for joining me today in this episode. I really appreciate you coming on this journey with me and I hope you can join me next time. And remember, It only takes a small action to make a big difference. Be a butterfly. And that's all for this episode. Thank you for joining us today. Please subscribe to hear more of our stories of change.